Hey folks, welcome to the Aspire Natural Health Podcast. My name is Dr. Tim Gersmar. At Aspire Natural Health, we are experts at treating digestive issues, autoimmune disease, and other hard to treat cases. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you interesting and informative discussions and topics, whether that's with us or other experts and interesting people. Listen, we want to reach as many people as possible and help as many lives as we can. This podcast is and always will remain free of charge. So we'll bring you the expertise, but we do need your help. There are two simple things that you can do to help us in our efforts to reach as many people as possible. Whether this is your first podcast or one of many, if you found these podcasts helpful, please do two things. The first is share it with any friends or people you know who might find it valuable. Again, it's free. Please drop them a line and let them know about the podcast. The second thing, which is really important, is to please head on over to iTunes and give us preferably a five-star review. Whatever you think we're worth, we're striving here to produce a five-star podcast. And it would really help if you would take a minute to drop us a five-star review. That way, iTunes ranks us highly. Other people can see and hear about us, and we can succeed in spreading the message of how to be informed about your health and how to get some help. So please share this podcast with a friend, head on over to iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. All right, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey folks, welcome to part two of my conversation with Dallas Hartwig, co-creator of The Whole30 and co-author of the best-selling book, It Starts With Food. In case you missed part one, please go back and have a listen. Puts the rest of the conversation in context. Hope you enjoy. Well, I mean, that's the other side. So we can say, I mean, and I think, you know, we're circling around this issue, in my opinion, of, of trying to get re- and, and even in real life, quote unquote, real life or face to face a piece. Uh, some of what I've seen in some of your your blog posts on your new site, Dallas, are are a very, you know, vulnerable uh, approach. Um, I know. Brene, uh, wait, Brene Brown, let me see if I get her yeah. name right, and uh, her work on vulnerability uh, uh, has, um, you know, has touched you, but um, certainly, uh, you, you know, there's this this bravado or this face-making, um, both in real life and, and online of, you know, presenting your best self or pretending that you don't have weakness or, um, you know, it's kind of like, well, I only put the, the pictures of the good food when I'm eating donuts right. or whatever, like I'm not posting <laughs> right. that or I'm posting right. the days I go to the gym, but not the days that I don't or I'm posting my house being miraculously clean and beautiful and my child eating, you know, the best food, but not when right. everything's a disaster, you know. Totally. Um, and so um, part of this really, you know, standing uh, across from someone and truly looking at them is part of this acknowledgement, for me at least, is seeing people as, and, and this goes back to earlier, like it's easy to misquote, oh, you're a huckster and you're selling snake oil and whatever. And then right. when when we actually like really look at people um, and see them as actual human beings, uh, the game is, you know, the, the world, the game, whatever, is very, very, very different, of course, yeah. right? Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Yeah, it is, and going back to kind of that little, like, you know, looking in someone's eyes exercise mm-hmm. that I did, like, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to sort of dehumanize and disrespect somebody when they're separated by computer screen and by hundreds or thousands of miles, you know? Um, And, you know, to your point about, you know, about trolls, I mean, my kind of, you know, occasionally I'll run into people who really are really aggressive about my perspective online and Mm -hmm. kind of my, my personal litmus test for whether I allow them to speak their piece or whether I actually block them, it really is like, would I let someone sit at my dinner table at home and say that to me to my face? And right. um, that's my litmus test. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm good with disagreement. I'm good with discourse. I'm, I'm good with that. If it's just this like pervasive theme of disrespect, um, then no, that doesn't stand. But I like disagreement. I right. like telling. I like someone saying, "I disagree with your perspective. Here's why." Like right. I like that. And right. I think that it challenges me and makes my perspective uh, better over time as you sort of iterate and, and evolve that. Right. Um, but it has to be done in a way that is constructive and, and, and respectful. And that's, I think, the thing that kind of 
unfortunately gets lost in translation sometimes. Because I think a lot of times people are, don't actually mean to be dicks. They just end up sounding that way because they're just not sensitive to the fact that it, to the way it comes across online. Right. Well, without the content, like we were saying, you know, the majority of of communication between face-to-face people is not the words they're speaking, but all the different expressions and body language and tones and all these other things that are so challenging. And we've seen like emojis pop up online to try and at least in part to temper, uh, you know, the the tone of what of your words and everything. But, um, you know, what I use again is I I try to look at it and say, look, is this just a personal attack? Are they saying like, look, you're you smell bad and you're you know, your feet are too big or whatever. And then you're just (laughs) like, okay, you know, whatever, like that's just or you're stupid. And you're like, well, okay, thank you for that. But uh, (laughs) whatever, you know, or are they saying like, you know, listen, you said X and I really disagree with X and here's my reason. That's, you know, again, this difference between name calling, which is not constructive um, and disagreement, which we have to be careful not to throw out. I mean, all of this is coming down. I think the, the, the underlying, you know, uh, uh, tone of our conversation, Dallas, is, you know, that we have to be careful to to separate. Uh, here's a gluten reference for you. The wheat from the chaff. Right. So, uh, <laughs> nice. You know, nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice there. Um, but, you know, the, the, to extract the value from these things, whether it's um, using marketing strategies, whether it's using social media, whether it's, you know, a movement itself, whether it's, you know, um, um, you know, yes, having a supportive community around you, but not one that is just an echo chamber and not one that's afraid to challenge you. And I'll even put in, you know, with someone yourself who has a modicum of kind of, of ah, ah, crud. So picture just fell off the wall and shattered. But oh, uh, no. so the poltergeist in the room, I suppose, is <laughs> you're not supposed to be saying these words. Right, right I know. Yeah. Don't say these things. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh uh, someone with a modicum of fame, uh, definitely uh, like such as yourself, can get themselves very much into an echo chamber point of view where everyone around you is disagreeing with you and it becomes hard to change uh, to change views or to take new tacks, right? Because people know you as the whole 30 guy or this the, whatever particular approach people kind of know you as and to step outside that, again, can bring up like a lot of vulnerability, but also a lot of criticism as well. Yeah, for sure. And and I think, um, you know, when I first started doing this work, I mean, I used to be, uh, I'm still a very private person in terms of, which is maybe kind of paradoxical given the fact that I'm sort of a, a public figure of sorts, but sure. I'm a very private person. And when I first started doing this work and people would disagree and people would kind of be, you know, generally unpleasant, like it really was hard for me. And, and I've, kind of, I've definitely grown a much thicker skin over time. Um, so, which is really helpful, of course, because people sure. continue to disagree. But part of it also is just sort of me finally, you know, I'm 37, starting to grow up a little bit and realize that, you know, when people say things that, you know, are, are mean or inconsiderate or whatever, like it's actually got nothing to do with me anyway. Right. It's really only about them. And the, the venue might be something I've written or, or said, um, you know, whether it's online or in person or whatever. But really what it comes down to is like, I'm just doing the thing that I think is right for me, you know, whether it's expressing an idea online or whatever. And if someone takes issue with that, that's actually not about me. And, and that's a, at first I've heard this, I heard these ideas years and years ago. And, and even then I was like, that sounds like a total cop out. Like it sounds like a total way to just kind of blow off everyone's perspective and just be like, well, you know, you're wrong. I'm right. You know, right. But really, because when you turn it around, when I'm like, when I am off put by someone else's message, that's about me too. And that's a really like <laughs> holding up the mirror is kind of an ugly thing sometimes. Sure. I'm like, oh, like the reason I take issue with, you know, some people's uh, perspective um, is only about me and not really about, uh, you know, their values or ethics or whatever. So kind of coming full circle back to like the, you know, the people who do the, the, sh- the, the quick fix biohacking, that kind of stuff from a marketing perspective, like really that's, their thing and if I take issue with that that's really about me and right. like I have to kind of gut check myself on a, on a regular basis because I'll, I'll get all fired I'll see some ridiculous thing it'll get me all fired up and I'm like you know what like that's their thing they can do it that's cool um, I'm going to do something different and it's a good way to kind of get me back on track but <laughs> But yeah. yes, I do get riled sometimes. <laughs> well, I think we all do. And, and, you know, you try to take comfort in a few things. Like, again, 
for me, it's you try and sort the personal attacks against the, 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 the viewpoint attacks. And again, is there anything really to be gleaned from it? So again, if people disagree with you, there can be tremendous value in that. And you may have to step back and say, hey, you know, the, the mature thing to do here is to recognize that this person has a great point. And, uh, you know, and I was yeah. I my view was partial or incorrect. And, um, you know, as a mature human being where we should at least all be growing and evolving. Um, and, and it's a hard thing to do. I mean, again, kind of coming back to, you know, there, there's some human traits. And if we look at it as sort of from that ancestral lens that, that we sort of grew, grew up with, um, but don't necessarily serve us necessarily really, really well. And, you know, we do have a focus on the negative. So human beings are negative focused and we're because yeah. we're looking for the danger. And so, you know, from a marketing perspective, anything that can tap into that that natural tendency gets our attention a lot more and we're sure. we're immediate gratification because if we weren't you know planning for 10 years from now when there's a tiger around the corner like you know not a smart thing to do and so totally. you know anything that's necessarily focused on well what's going to not only make you healthier in the short term but in the long term is harder for people to pay attention to and snap judgments and in and out thinking you're either part of my group or you're part of the, yeah. the enemy those are all basic human traits, and I think it, you know, it's easy, like you said, to kind of get up on a high horse and be like, look, I'm better than that. Then you, then you reflect back on yourself and you go, damn, like I'm doing the same you know, I'm doing the same thing as well. And so I think, you know, we've, <laughs> yeah. we've, got, to, we've got to bring compassion both to, to other people uh, and, and to ourselves as well that, that we're, you know, we're all on this journey together. And, um, you know, the, I believe one of the purposes of life is to continue to grow and, and, you know, in wisdom and compassion, uh, because, you know, I, I don't know about you, man, but with functional medicine, all the rest of this, you know, the more I learn, the less I know it feels oh, like, for and sure. you're, you're, just, you're just like, <laughs> I, sure. you know, you're like, Oh, this is how to solve that. And then you suddenly, you know, you get a, some more years of experience under your belt and you're all, Oh, well, no, not necessarily. And that, you know, yeah. to come back, some of the formulaic approaches that, that we see putting out there, oh, you want to lose weight, you just have to do this. And it's like, uh, you know, like that'll work for some people, but it's definitely not going to work for everyone. And um, yeah, I don't know, I could just rant on about that for a few <laughs> more minutes. But uh, but, you know, I think it's to, we need compassion uh, f- for others, but also one of the hardest things is for ourselves as well. You know. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, in, in um, working on a behavior change model going mm-hmm. forward, like that's like my big project now is mm-hmm. I've actually got a, a really, <laughs> a, a, a progressively larger project. It started as sort of a medium project and right. now I'm really, it's actually an extra large project. Right. right. Um, but it focused around um, behavior change. But that concept of love and compassion for ourselves first is central to kind of any of this stuff. And so if we don't, give ourselves the space to, you know, learn and grow and make mistakes and learn from those mistakes and kind of be compassionate for ourselves. It's going to be, I'll say it's going to be impossible for you to actually, um, you know, do that for others. So it, it really does start with, with, um, you know, that, that, uh, love and acceptance for yourself. And then you have something to give other people. And that sounds really trite and it's, and you know, right. this right. kind of thing, but, right. but I really think that that's the way it works. And, and that's something that's been really, you know, kind of powerful in my personal life um, to kind of to view to view things that way, and then it's opened up amazing opportunities for love and connection and compassion with other humans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with you. You know, it's like it sounds like a Hallmark card greeting or whatever, or totally. you know, the line. But but honestly, some of these kind of cliche, you know, the cliches have a nugget of wisdom in them, and I, and I agree. You know, every day working with people with various health issues. Um, you know, usually at the root of it, there there's some degree of self-hatred, you know, whether it's yeah. a small thing, whether it's a large thing. Um, and I'm not saying it's, you know, again, that it's anybody's fault or that's the sole reason for it. But usually in this mix and until people care enough about themselves uh, to make some of the changes they need to make and care for themselves, that, you know, they're not going to do it. So I'll agree with you that um, over the same thing, kind of over the past few years, uh, part of my focus has shifted from just, you know, better understanding, uh, you know, the, 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 
the bits and pieces like, well, what do we need to do to move person from, you know, A to B uh, just in terms of correcting their physiology or their body or these different aspects or these dysfunctions to focusing more on the, on the behavior change as well because if people, uh, you know, you can give them all these different things to do, but at the end of the day, if they don't do them... Yeah, um, totally. you know, and again, it's easy to jump on your high horse and be like, well, if you just had more willpower, you just wanted it more. You were just, <laughs> totally. uh, you were awesome. Like I am, or, you know what I mean? Like all those excuses that we make, then it wouldn't be a problem. Um, but really it's, you know, why do some people make the changes and others don't? And what can we do again? So back to the, Hey, is starting off with a quick weight loss? Is that kind of the entry point And can that motivate and dr- help, you know, the person drive through change, uh, to make the bigger, the bigger changes and the bigger pieces. Right. Yeah, and that's actually, it's interesting because I've taken such a, a strong um, kind of stance against uh, using weight loss as the starting point because I right. think right. the whole world is focused around, you know, kind of the way you look and in particular weight loss, you know, right. and um, because I think that that is really a, a distraction for people for the last, oh shoot, coming up on, you know, whatever, seven or eight years now, I've really aggressively de-emphasize that in, in all the work that I've done with nutrition and, and health in general. Right. And what I'm kind of recognizing now and sort of in a, in a sense, I'm actually rethinking the way I speak to people in those early stages of kind of, um, of developing a, a relationship where they trust my expertise and they, you know, they trust my input on stuff is, you know, honestly, like I have to meet people where they are. And sometimes where they are is caring so much about how they look and wanting weight loss. And so there's, there's an interesting shift going on within me and within the way I kind of speak professionally, where I'm more open now to, um, talking to people about weight loss than I ever have been for. And that's the, actually it's the, it, it might look like sort of selling out from, from some people's perspective, if you want to kind of think about how the trolls would talk about it online, sure, but sure. Um, it's really the opposite of that. It's actually with, you know, with a great deal of compassion saying, if I really want to help people, I have to find a way to connect with them where they currently are. And I can't expect them to, you know, kind of come to me and have the same worldview and mindset and values as I do. I actually have to kind of reach out and say, okay, I have understanding and compassion for where you are, and if this is what's important to you, let me help you be successful with something that's going to make your life better. And that may or may not be weight loss, right. but it's going to you know, help you be successful with something um, that's important to you that does make your life better, and over the course of time, um, confer what I guess I'll call my you know, experience or wisdom or whatever, right. um, you know, and, and hopefully through kind of small wins – get them to trust my perspective to get them to trust like, Oh, like when I, you know, when Dallas reframes weight loss into actually getting healthier instead of just focusing on how I look or what the scale says, it made my life better. What right. else does he have to say? Right. And so that's kind of how I'm doing it now, but it's, it's kind of funny because I've, I've you know, de-emphasized weight loss for so long. And now I'm like, ah, let's start talking about weight loss a little <laughs> bit. And I'm like, wow, it, it, it makes me laugh because it feels like part of me is like you're such a salad and part of me is like you're such a loving, compassionate human. And it's just kind of a funny – it's kind of a funny paradox. Well, you know, um, I have to say it's been my experience in life uh, that whenever I come out super strongly against something, Dallas, no matter what it is, I always find myself later on uh, the, the universe or whatever you want to call it flips me around and gets me on the other side of it. Like the the, the, the easy example was – you know, before I had kids, I was like, look at all these lousy parents and they're putting, you know, <laughs> computers totally. and TVs in front of their kids. I would never, ever do that totally. kind of thing. And so judgmental and such an a-hole about it. Um, and then I had kids and I was like, oh, oh, OK, like <laughs> totally. I completely understand. And now, you know, um, I look at other parents and I'm just like, right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I understand. And so, um, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what you want, you know, what you what people believe. But uh, it's certainly been my experience that um, when I come out strongly, strongly against something like you were just saying, like, no, you know, it's not about weight loss. It's not about weight loss. Invariably, I'm going to flip I'm something, you know, I'm going to end up on the opposite side of that and then go, oh, right. Like, yeah, there's yep. a there's a time and a place for for, you know, pretty much everything. Um, but uh, yeah, it's funny. It, I, I saw like yeah. an Instagram meme or something a while ago. It was like, 
I forget exactly how it was phrased, but it was something like, you know, I was a really good parent before I was a parent. Yep. <laughs> you yep, know, yep, like yep. The, the, the armchair quarterback, you know, the expert for sure. Right. Yeah, the, the, the way I always say it is I was a really good parent before I had kids, right? Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, right, totally. Right, you know, totally. something like that. Right, yeah. That, I mean, and again, I think it's a lesson to all of us to call for compassion and say, look, you know, it's easy to look at someone else's life or situation from the outside and be able to say, well, if it were me, I would, you know, take the high road and always do it quote unquote yeah. <laughs> right and all the rest of the stuff right and and who knows maybe you would do a better job i don't know but but until we've lived those experiences i think it's okay to have an opinion but you gotta you know you gotta temper that opinion a little bit yeah. and uh and, and you can say well uh you know I probably wouldn't do that, but, um, you know, I haven't lived it. So, therefore, right. um, you know, my, my opinion carries a little bit less weight than, uh, than once, you've, once you've gone and done it yourself, then you can speak a little more authoritatively about it. So Yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know this, I just feel like I'm finally actually becoming like a grown-up, like mm-hmm. sort of a, like a mature, loving grown-up mm-hmm. because it, it's taken me a long, long time. But I feel <laughs> like I'm settling into a really good kind of space where – my default is love and compassion instead of, um, you know, elitism and, um, kind of the arrogance of knowing or or, or thinking that I know better, you know, and, and, um, it's a good, it feels good. I mean, it feels good and it feels, um, it feels much more human and much more connected to other people, even people that I don't really know. Um, and I think that's, it's that sensation that I want to, facilitate or catalyze in other people if they want that. And so, so much of, you know, the conversation I'm trying to generate now about um, human connection. And so when I say human connection, I mean like connection with yourself, connection with a, a place and an environment um, with the earth, but then also, of course, with other people. So right. in trying to kind of advocate for more of that human connection, that's the, really what I'm getting at is I, I, want, I want to foster some of that love and compassion because that's what life is about, you know? Right. And I haven't really written about it in those terms before, but that's really what I'm getting at is sort of, um, you know, whether I'm talking about the whole 30 as, you know, making food changes to catalyze other changes in your life. Like the whole, like the whole 30 was never about food. The whole 30 was always about empowering people to make changes in their life so that their life was better. And that's the same now with more social less media. That's the same with all the work that I'm doing is like, I want to empower people to make changes and make their life better. And those are a really wide array of different changes um, because different people need different voices and different, different uh, things to do. So I'm kind of developing a a menu of sorts um, of different uh, places to start. Right. Well, I'm with you. You know, I, we're certainly in my, my business, my, my work, we're, having some of that same kind of change where we're looking, you know, people come to me to fix a problem, like something hurts, uh, you know, something's not working. And the, the, the place they're coming from is, you know, I'm seeing it's like a plumber, like it, my, my pipes leaking, like fix my pipe and then I'm on my way and I don't need to see you again. And, and I understand that, but we're also trying to, you know, in looking at a larger picture of saying, okay, you know, maybe your gut's messed up or maybe you, you know, have X, Y, and Z diagnosis and, and it's affecting your quality of life and that's important. But then again, kind of moving on. So one of the things, for example, we're, we're throwing around the idea of offering, uh, you know, a class in finances and going through that because medical costs and finances and things are such a big deal. And so then paying for medical care and everything can become a huge stressor on people's lives. Uh, and, um, so, you know, we're looking at these other different aspects of what, what do we need to help people solve to have a real high quality life. And, and certainly one of those things is that personal connection, you know, totally. So, totally. um, cause you know, if you boil it down, it seems to be that, that, that all the wisdom traditions, all the ancient traditions and everything basically come down to, you know, that the best of life is connections with other people and a giving, a, you know, giving to improving the world totally. or, or, or making others lives better. And so, um, you know, if we're not doing those things, uh, you know, we see so many people today disconnected and purposeless. Yes. Right. And, yes. um, and, and we can talk about fixing their body and we can talk about biohacking and we can talk about getting ripped and abs and all these other things. And, and there's 
there's value to different different parts of it. But fundamentally, I mean, what I think, you know, for a lot of people, it's like, well, if I could just fit in that bikini or I could look awesome, uh, you know, with my shirt off or whatever, then I'll be happy. And I think, um, you know, the, the long-term conversation is saying, look, the, those things are there. And if you if you want to go through the efforts to get them, you can. But, but truly, um, and again, it sounds like a Hallmark card, right? But truly the things that bring happiness are this close personal connection uh, with with people being being a human uh, instead of uh you know being this crazy digital uh you know animal that we've we've um unknowing like we we've become without kind of a guiding sense of purpose or principle behind it totally totally you know i've um I said it a couple of times, and I actually need to write a blog post about this. But you know, I've written, uh, I've spoken about this idea that that there is no vibrant physical health without emotional health. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and to kind of, yeah, kind of, that's kind of what you're getting at, right? Yeah, Where yeah. Um, if you don't have this kind of this good sense of purpose and sense of meaning and sense of connectedness, um, all of the you know the the physical manifestations of that are going to continue to become a problem if you don't kind of get to this this um, this peaceful, loving, compassionate place, um, kind of on the inside with a, you know, from a, from a heart health perspective. Right. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, we talk about mental health and I think that mental health is a moniker that kind of conjures up like, you're like, Oh, I don't, I'm not anxious. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not depressed. Depressed, Right. Uh, you know, I'm not, I don't have PTSD. I'm not bipolar. I have good mental health. And I'm like, actually that's the totally wrong framework because that's just the same thing as saying, you know, I don't have heart disease. I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have cancer. Therefore, I'm healthy. And of course, that's not really the way I think about health at all. Right. Um, and so I think that this sort of this concept of like having this this peaceful, integrated, connected emotional health, this this headspace, um, really forms the backbone. Really forms the foundation for the physical manifestations of health. You know. And uh, that's a process for all of us, and a different process for all of us. Um, yeah. But the farther I go into this kind of with my own personal process, the more that idea is really coming home to roost where I'm like, look, I've, it starts with um, where I am with my relationship with myself and that emotional piece that then manifests physically. The sort of the physical piece sort of becomes secondary. Sure, sure. Well, and again, we can even say, look, that there really is no separation because, um, you know, like the field of psychoneuroimmunology, giant, totally. giant, giant, giant word there. But one of my know, favorite fields to study, actually, dang right, you know, has shown that, um, you know, the, the, the mind and the brain and the body are not disconnected entities, you know, things totally. that can go on physically can affect you mentally and emotionally things that affect you mentally emotionally cascade down and affect you physically as well so you know we have this artificial separation of these things and that can be fine sometimes but again if we're trying to lead you know a high quality life and an enjoyable life um you know you can't you can't separate those things totally um you know you end up uh, having a discussion with someone the other day um what I see in some of the spiritual traditions is this idea that the the body is trash and it's worthless and it you know you need to just kind of ignore it and focus on the these greater spiritual truths and everything and then you know on the opposite side we have people who are micromanaging their bodies uh, and neglecting all sort of purpose and connection and and all these other things and I you know I, I'm sure you have Dallas but I've seen people in their magnificent physical specimens um, you know their blood work looks great and everything but they're miserable human beings totally you know, totally because uh, they have well, and yeah mm-hmm. totally well it's actually funny because you know so much of what I've done professionally is a delayed mirror of my own personal growth right mm-hmm. like so the you know my whole personal process with getting my own health really dialed in started with food and then I started writing a, I wrote a book called it starts with food and then I had a powerful you know learning opportunity through a, a short-term elimination diet and then we wrote about the whole 30 and you know so like all of this is sort of this like delayed by two to five years but you know my own stuff um, even with human connection and and that whole piece like that's a that's a, a delayed uh, representation of my own personal growth process sure. and so it's all very personal for me even though I sort of systematize it and speak about it in more, um, not necessarily clinical terms, but in more human terms. Um, it's very much a, in my own story retold and sort of I'm sharing what I've learned in years past. Um, so I'm interested, I'm actually interested to see what I do, you know, five years from now. <laughs> uh-huh. um, because it's, 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 it's something that I, I haven't had a vision for at any point. It's always been very much a, 
a, you know, kind of a, an open, flexible process. So it's kind of been fun to kind of see how that's played out because what I talk about and speak about and, and, you know, write about and whatever is just my own personal experience that I want to share with people. Right. Well, it all comes back right to your earlier point of saying that it, it all kind of comes, we're always kind of talking about ourselves, Right. Right. I mean, my experience is I'll, I'll be sitting talking to a patient about something, about some changes they need to make. And, you know, you have this flash of insight and you're like, crap, I'm actually talking to myself. <laughs> totally. Like, totally. oh, so. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually funny. And, you know, in watching uh, the way people that I know really, de- you know, really deeply, really personally mm-hmm. um, and watching the kind of the way that they then sometimes present themselves in public. When you know someone really, really intimately, it's easy to see from the outside where you're like, oh, like they're writing to themselves, you know, right. and because I do the same thing. And once you right. kind of have that piece of insight, the more you look around, the more you see it everywhere. You're like, oh, I get it. They're writing to themselves. They're writing about themselves. They're writing for themselves. And, right. and that's both um, insightful but also tragic in some circumstances where you see people so desperately wanting their inner world to be different that the world they write about, the image they craft online is so different than what actually reality is. And, and that's, I mean, I think that to a large extent, we all do that. Um, and you know, I just, I don't know. I, I, I hope that my own personal growth process turned into some sort of coherent thought process many years later is actually helpful for people, you know? Right, right. Well, again, look, it is. I mean, I know one of the things, uh, you know, to share a little vulnerability, one of the things I had was for a while, you know, I'd be thinking, oh, okay, I need to write about this or I need to record about this or whatever. And then, like, Rob Wolf would come out with it or Chris Kresser would come out with it or, or you guys would come out with it. And I'd be like, well, crap. Like, you know, they did it and like who then who needs to hear me talk about X, Y and Z when these other guys have have already talked about it. Right. And and then it was realizing one of the things for me was really coming to a place where it's like, look, you know, 10 or 50 or 100 other people may have said essentially the same thing that I'm saying. But again, you know, it's something about me will resonate with certain people that it, it doesn't resonate f- from other people. So I always say, look, there's value. Um, even if you only touch a few people, they'll, they'll resonate with, with whatever, the core of who you are, the way you yeah. say it, all these things. And so, um, so you'll touch and help people. And that's really helped me because, uh, you know, to say like, okay, well, I'm going to talk about that even if, you know, like 50 other people have already said something about it because I'll be able to reach a few people yeah. uh, that they haven't. Yeah, you know. different different voices land with different people for right, sure, and right, you know, right. and um, you know, you mentioned Brene Brown's work on vulnerability. I mean, nothing right. that I've said about vulnerability is unique to me, right. you know. Right. Um, it, but my voice um, sometimes lands with people in a way that Brene Brown's work or other people's work, you know, maybe hasn't. And so that's that's the value of um, of kind of speaking our truth um, in any given moment is uh, we've got something to say and it's we then there's someone we're saying it for and right. we don't know who that's going to be but in speaking what's true for you in any given moment there is someone that that is is created for and that's largely why I do what I do well absolutely I mean that's one of the challenges of of this kind of internet world right is you put things out there and and sometimes you get good you know you get feedback oh that was so great that I love that that was so helpful and sometimes and sometimes you get bad feedback and sometimes a lot of times at least for me you don't get much of anything and you end up wondering right. like wow is this landing anywhere is this is is you know anyone listening or watching or reading is is this making a difference is this helping someone and then the the really kind of blessed experience is that occasionally then you know someone like when i was at ahs a couple of people came up oh i watched this or i watched that or i read this or i read that and it was so helpful and you're like oh wonderful like you know uh, getting that little pep talk there from from somebody because it can be hard to know um, you know, again, if you're if you're really connecting and and helping people or not, or if you're just being kind of narcissistic and droning on uh, to to hear your own voice, basically. Yeah, um, totally. Well, it's, um, it's actually funny. I um, yeah. I just uh, published an article on my blog uh, last week called "Porn Shame and Donuts," which mm. you know, um, <laughs> well, you know, it's it's kind of it's, it's to a certain extent it's a little bit of a clickbait kind of thing, but right, like, right, that's right, really right. what what I'm talking about. Right, and right, so. Right. Um, I was thinking, like, I'm very interested because I talk about, you know, motivation for behavior and, you know, the way we, you know, impose moral structure on, on you know, kind of reward-driven pathways and that kind of stuff. And it's a topic that I think is really important and under-addressed. And it got 
no really minimal interest and engagement. Right. Um, and I was like, oh, that's weird because I find it such a like interesting way to view the world as sort of questioning, you know, how moralizing behaviors, you know, kind of obscures the natural consequences of that, mm -hmm. of, of those behaviors. And I think it's a really important idea and nobody seemed to care. So it's kind of one of those like, well, darn, like I wrote this thing. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was really right. insightful. Right, and like right. six people listened and, you know, yeah. read it. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe, it's, maybe I, maybe I wrote that and maybe all I did was impact those six people. I'm like, cool, that's good enough. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't need to do it to, you know, to have massive reach, but it's also been an interesting way for me to kind of check what I think is important and interesting against what the average person or my average reader or the average person kind of online thinks is interesting because um, not everyone has the same uh, set of values and same sort of same set of interests. And I'm sort of a, like a super nerd. And so that doesn't always make it easy to kind of translate over into real life for people. And so I'm trying to kind of keep things right. practical, but right. yet to your point, maybe, maybe that was just my own narcissism where I'm like, I just want to write about this and hope someone cares. Right. For <laughs> you know? sure. Well, look, part of that, part of, again, going back to being a human being, right, is the need to feel listened to and understood is tremendously profound, totally. you know? Totally. And, um, and, you know, I mean, you and I, we both have little kids and you can, the interesting thing for me is having little kids and watching them grow and develop and seeing these drives and behaviors. And then again, reflecting back on myself and realizing like all those needs, drives and behaviors in little kids are still present in me as an adult, right? I just yeah. may have different coping mechanisms or different ways of displaying those things. But, you know, um, I know for me, there's a con, you know, with my kids, there's always a constant look at me, look at me, you know, yeah. and you realize as an adult, like, I still have that today. Right. <laughs> you know, right. uh, it's expressed a little differently, but yeah, you know, we put something out there and we, 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 we just want people to, to, you want to know that it's helped people, but, um, you know, to the other side of that Dallas, you know, you never know, you may down the road, you may, you know, bump into people who, you know, were saying like, oh my God, that, that article was so insightful and, you know, I just never posted or liked or commented or anything else to let you know how it touched me. You know, right. um, yeah. and I'll say the other side for me is every time I've tried to, um, you know, ride a wave like, oh, uh, this is popular. Great. I'll do something on <laughs> right. that. Right? right. And I'm always like, oh, man, it's going to get so many like hits and people are going <laughs> to love this thing. It's going to be awesome. And invariably, it always like just splats. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not. And yeah. then, you know, you'll put something else out there just kind of as an offhand thing or whatever or or, yeah, passion projects or whatever. And you're thinking, you know, like nobody's going to care about this. And then suddenly right. that's the thing that that resonates with people. So, um, you know, a, a, along with for me, recognizing that just because someone else said it uh, doesn't mean that there's not value in, in my in my saying it as well. And then the other side is um, trying not to just just chase trends or, or do that, but to really, um, you know, comment on the things uh, that, that I feel I really have something valuable to say. Um, that that's, you know, maybe maybe not the smartest thing. I don't know. But that that's kind of for no, me, I think, I think it is the smartest thing. I think it, because it, it, and the smartest thing, not in a like business strategy sense, but the smartest yeah. thing in the in the sense that like your intuition and your like, hey, I, this is what I actually have something to, to, to contribute to is yeah. way more insightful and way more valuable to the world at large than oh, people are caring about you know resistant starch or intermittent fasting or right. butter in your coffee or whatever other kind of trendy thing that they're talking about, right? Um, if you've got something to say, that's what you should be writing about. That should be, you should be talking about. I think you and I both largely do that in, in our work, which is, um, which I think I'm assuming here uh, for you, but at least for me, is what makes it so meaningful and so well, so gratifying because like sure. it's it's it feels right, right. And I'm, when it feels right, it is right. Yeah. Well, look, I know for both of us that, you know, there's a practical aspect, like we said, of making a living. But at the same time, a lot of these things for us are passion projects and we do them because because we are personally interested and we care and we'd like to make a difference in the world. You know, um, yeah, I'm just agreeing with you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
So, cool. um, do you have any take? You know, people have listened to us ramble on now for a while. Again, I hope they found it interesting. I've certainly enjoyed the conversation. But you know, in your work, kind of trying to parse social media and kind of figure out the, if you will, kind of the mature or the thoughtful way of handling social media. Do you know? Do you have any insights or takeaways that you'd like people to consider? Well, I think a lot of it, and, and I'll actually take a step back from social media specifically. Okay. Just talk about media consumption in general, you sure. know, because a lot of it, you know, we can, we it could be, uh, you know, political propaganda, you know, right. news entertainment, you know, just right. sort of the all the, the the barrage of stuff that comes at us through, um, you know, TV and movies and video games and and um, advertising and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think for me, there's definitely, you know, and, and especially when we frame it from an ancestral health perspective, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's never been a point in human history up until the past few decades where we even had any ability to know what was going on, you know, in the world beyond our own horizon. And we're not wired to emotionally assimilate that kind of information. You know, so when we we hear about horrible things happening in remote places to people we've never seen and will never see, right. we just that just doesn't land with us on a like meaningful emotional level. And I think there's a lot of um harm that can happen from a you know, uh, a fear and anxiety perspective where we hear about all these horrible things and we just can't really make sense of it. And so we end up in this just a very kind of fear, scarcity mentality, anxiety ridden state. And so I think a lot of it just honestly reduction of um, media in general, I think is a good, is a good move, is a good direction, mm-hmm. whether that's social media or anything, um, anything else. I think the other thing that's important is, um, is asking, and this is true of any behavior, this is what I wrote about in that last article I just talked about, um, is why do you do what you do? Right. Like, why do you check, you, you know, the Facebook messages or, or notifications or Instagram likes, you know, compulsively multiple times throughout the course of the day? Why do you pick your phone up at every single stoplight? Like, right. why? Like, holy crap, what happens? Why do you do that? Right. And awareness is key for everything, right? And if you want to have a better life, it, it comes down to awareness of, as far as, you know, why you do what you do. So um, in reframing the social media stuff, a lot of it has to do with why do I do what I do? And that awareness, just like with the Whole30, often can only be developed when you have a period without that time. So I actually propose in that more social less media program that I have on my website, I actually propose that people take some time away from um, all of us, those, those um, media, all the screen-based media you know, that includes right. social media. Um, actually taking a step back and being able to be like, oh, now that I have some distance from that, now, that I, can, now I can actually develop some awareness of why I do what I do because when I reintroduce that and pay attention, it makes me feel this certain way. Right. And that awareness is huge. Right. Um, so the sort of elimination reintroduction pattern that I built into the whole 30 can also be applied to other things and social media I think is one of those things. So the other thing too and, and I think it's important to understand for people is or for people to understand that when you have constant incoming messaging like the notifications on your phone when your phone screen lights up or you get a notification when someone retweets something or likes your Instagram or whatever mm-hmm. that's a very stimulating thing to happen on an ongoing basis and um, it's not a good thing. It's not a healthy thing um, it propagates this um, very short cycle time of uh, you know reward and craving for more reward, and it's a little bit like taking little hits of some sort of stimulating drug on an ongoing basis, and that's a a really good thing from a business perspective for the companies that own these social media platforms. That's diametrically opposed to what's in your best interest as an individual. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I actually tell people or recommend that people turn all of the notifications off on their phone. Um, I don't get, my phone never makes noise ever, ever, ever. Mm -hmm. Even, and, and, you know, my phone screen never lights up with the exception of when someone actually makes a phone call to me. So if there's like an emergency where my babysitter has to call me or my mom or whatever, they can call, my phone will light up, I can look at it, but my phone doesn't make noise. And so, um, it's, there's some interesting research looking at um, how disruptive just the presence of a phone, even if it's turned off for people who are so conditioned to their phone making noise and being disruptive, just the fact that their phone's there, even if it doesn't actually make noise can be distracting and disruptive to meaningful human conversation. So um, I propose that people just like turn all of that stuff off altogether. And I've had a lot of people who have done that um, based on my recommendation comment and just say that was such a huge, huge change. Um, in the way they engage with their social media in general, because of course most people do that on mobile devices now. Right. It's so much less on on um, on desktops. So yeah. 
Yeah, a um, couple little couple little tidbits on that. No, I, I definitely find it, you know, an interesting experience too. Um, and this is how silly this is, but it's true. Is um, you know, one day a week or whatever on the weekend or when when you you know is to actually leave home without your phone. Um, yeah, and it's amazing. Even you know when you're aware, you're thinking about this, how sort of. You know, you, you feel like you've forgotten part of yourself or you feel kind of naked or this anxiety comes up like, ah, and you get to thinking, you know, both you and I, Dallas, I mean, we spent, you know, a big chunk of our lives without cell phones, you know, and uh, used to just go out and you never worried about it. Just now, do your thing. Yeah. Just do your thing and, and get on with it. Now it's constantly like, oh, my God, what if something happens? What if, what if, what if? And it's just, <laughs> totally. uh, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, of targeted eliminations. And it, again, not just to, like you said, not an elimination just to eliminate something, but an elimination to bring awareness to a behavior. Right. And so, totally. you know, I, I'm a big fan, too, of uh, of, you know, doing a little social media elimination, whether that's, uh, y- you know, a few days or a month or whatever you decide makes sense. Uh, but the point is to, you know, uncover behaviors. And then, and then I'm, I'm fully on board with you. It, it doesn't make a good soundbite, but, you know, just bring awareness. Like, you know, what, what is the point of being on, you know, Facebook or whatever? Is it that you're bored um, and you just have nothing to do? Or is it that you're connecting, you're truly connecting with people um, that, you know, may not live near you or around you, or you just may not have time to get together or, or, or any of these social medias? Or, um, or is it to expose you to new and different points of view that you might not have, you know, you might not be encountering elsewhere? But, but again, why? And, um, uh, you know, if you're being mindless about it, then, then we, about any of these behaviors, then we have to realize that usually that means someone else is pulling the strings and, and not us. And, totally. um, and, you know, to come back to this whole point about living a high quality life, you know, parts of it are, are easily defined. Like we want to feel good and we want to look reasonable. We want to perform well. We want to, you know, not be at ri- serious risk for, you know, future diseases and things like that. Um, we want to have good connection. Uh, we want to have a sense of purpose. But, you know, so much of this need also needs to be personally defined um, and individuals need to find, you know, you know, what, what do they need in their life, uh, you know, to be happy and live well. So, yeah, totally. Totally. Yes, sir. Um, any any last, uh, before we start wrapping this thing up, are there any last topics or anything that we, you want to comment on, or we haven't touched on that you want to talk about? Oh man, haven't we already solved all the problems in the world? I I know (laughs) people would just elect me benign dictator of the world. All the problems would be solved, right? (laughs) That's our, that's our ego. But I think, uh, you know, for me, the takeaways are, um, you know, about human connection that um, social media and, and other forms of media are great and they certainly have their purpose. And to the extent that they allow us to forge connections with people that we may not be able to otherwise, I am 100% behind them. To the extent totally. that they distract people away from really thinking about you know meaningful things that, that, that they need to or that they, they – you know, a uh, 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 substitute superficial connection for deeper connection, then I, I think that's a problem. Yeah, totally. Right? totally. Because um, if it's just, you know, a lot of people like your comment or whatever, but there's no real deep connection around it, then it can be just a, a um, you know, a Band-Aid for a deeper issue, uh, which is the need to seek out and find some deep connection. So, you know, not that social media is bad, but if you can use it as a springboard to connect deeply with people, then I think I think you're using it in the right way. So, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. So let's uh, wrap, I love it. let's wrap this thing up. Um, it's been lovely talking to you. I think many people know who you are, but just in case, and I know you've had some changes. Where where should people seek you out if they want to look at more of your stuff, Dallas? Sure. Um, so I'm uh, my website is dallasharwig.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also I'm on Instagram at Dallas Harwig. I'm on Twitter at Dallas Harwig. Um, I'm also on Facebook, although I don't really do much with that. I kind of limit it pretty much to, to Instagram is kind of my primary platform. And then I blog, um, periodically on my website. So I'm here and there. Um, I'm, um, also, I have uh, a new podcast, which I'll plug shamelessly here. um, called the living, the living experiment with Dallas and Pilar. Um, so it's, um, uh, livingexperiment.com. It's on iTunes and all the other, uh, platforms for podcasts. Spectacular. And, um, 
recently launched a couple weeks ago. And then um, I also have a program called More Social, Less Media, mm-hmm. um, which is available on my website as well. Cool. Cool. Hey, let me ask you one quick question before we go. I saw you had a nifty, it looked like an old school camera at Ancestral Health Symposium, but I saw, definitely saw it had a screen like a new camera. What, what, what was that, man? Um, that was a, a Leica M. So it's um, a German made, uh, a beautiful, uh, yeah. beautiful camera. Uh, yeah. And they do the, like what's arguably the best glass, the best lenses in the world. Oh. Um, and um, so I'm, I'm fortunate enough to use that. I kind of just do photography kind of as a, a personal growth kind of um, you know, project, I guess. Sure, sure. Um, and I, you know, actually taking up photography just a couple of years ago was actually a a fairly interesting thing for me because I kind of realized, oh, hey, wait, I'm actually a creative, which I'd never really known mm-hmm. before, which mm-hmm. seems mm-hmm. kind of hilarious to learn about yourself at 36 <laughs> years old. But um, uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's a, that, that was a Leica. Um, and um, it's just, it's a beautiful device. And I'm, I'm yeah, it was I cool. really, really love using it. I was going to say it was a gorgeous-looking piece of equipment, and I didn't get a chance to ask you about it. So, wait, where where would I go to look at that? Is it like um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, uh, Leica L E I C A. Um, so um, you could um, okay. find it. B and H is kind of a, a really great, well-known um, camera and electronic supply store out of New York. Mm, mm. Um, and but they have them. Uh, they have them elsewhere. You can just check them on the Leica website as okay. well. You said um, L I E C A. L-E-I-C-A. L-E-I-C-A. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll take a look yeah. at that. Uh, it was a beautiful piece of equipment, and uh, if anybody wants to check that out, uh, maybe they'll sponsor it. No, not really. But uh. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, that would, I would actually be – that would be like – they would be like the crowning achievement of my life if yeah. I could decide to sponsor something for Nice, me. nice. Yeah, very good. All right, man. Any big plans coming up for the, for the future you want to mention or anything you're up um, to? Well, I'm, so I mentioned that you know we, we launched the podcast. That's yep. been a lot of fun. Um, I'm also working on. I'll kind of tease this out here for the first time. I'm working on a behavior change program based around um, kind of really impactful lifestyle changes. That's unique in the way that it matches people up with starting kind of meeting them where they are, mm-hmm. but then also um, through the algorithm that I've that I'm building, which is essentially my clinical kind of my my clinical decision-making brain mm-hmm. um, helps them kind of go from there. So it's, a, it's an iterative process. It's a, you know, multiple little homework assignments on making change. So that's a long ways in the future, but it is what I'm working on. I'm super psyched. I've had some amazing opportunities to um, interact with some behavior change experts, uh, people like BJ Fogg out of Stanford's nice. Persuasive Tech Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm super excited to work on that, but it's a long ways away, but <laughs> it's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there, a, is there? Do you think there's another book in the not too too distant future for you, or are you? Know, yeah, there's actually been. Um, I've actually had uh, a couple different conversations about that recently um, with some publishers, and there's definitely a lot of interest there in the mm-hmm. community, but also um, from the publishers. And um, I have I have two really solid book ideas in me right now that mm-hmm. aren't quite being developed, but definitely will be will be written at some point. Um, but nothing nothing imminent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we're going to wrap this up. If you want to check out Dallas, you can just check him out at DallasHartwig.com. We'll also have the links, and uh, you can find him around on Instagram and Twitter as well. Well, thanks so much, Dallas. Really appreciate you coming on and chatting with me. Sam, awesome conversation. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Take care. All right, folks, that wraps up another episode of the Aspire Natural Health podcast. If you enjoyed it, we hope you've subscribed to us over at iTunes. You can also check us out at our website, www.aspirenaturalhealth.com. That's Aspire as in A-S-P-I-R-E, naturalhealth.com. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash aspirenaturalhealth, or check out our library of videos over at YouTube. Just go over to YouTube and punch in Aspire Natural Health. You'll find us there. So a couple great more ways you can check out our free educational materials. At Aspire Natural Health, we are experts at treating gut dysfunctions, autoimmune diseases, and other hard-to-treat cases. If you that's you or someone you know, you can always contact us and schedule a free 15-minute consult with myself and find out if we are the right fit and we can help you out with your issues. So simply check us out, check out our website. Again, that's www.aspirenaturalhealth.com or give us a call at 425-202. 7849. You can set up that free 15 minute consult. All right, folks, until we meet again, take care.